This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things so rare. This week, I spoke with So Rare Monkey, aka David, and we talked about loads of things, particularly progression, progression from a small budget, starting out in the platform, trading your way up. We asked whether we were in a boom after listening to the So Rare Andrews podcast, we discussed my vlog, and towards the end of the show, I talked about a giveaway that's going to be happening, so stick around for that. I hope you enjoy the episode, and I'll chat to you soon. So rare monkey, SR monkey, aka David. I'll probably stick to David to save the mouthful for the podcast. How are you? Thank you so much for joining me. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure to be on here. But um, yeah. for those that don't know, I was on a podcast of John's, John's in a, a previous guys in a previous platform. But mm. uh, yeah, no, I'm very happy to be on this one. Sure, I'm just a I'm just a scumbag. I'm like the Pied Piper. I jump around platforms and make people follow me from from fire to fire. <laughs> but <laughs> no, yeah, Footstock. It was a. Uh, I always sort of talk about it as it was the the non blockchain so rare. It was kind of their supply kind of ended up killing them. Well, you could argue football index ended up killing them. But anyway, we'll not go too hard into that. But do you feel like so rare compares, or do you ever compare them in your mind? Where do, where do they stack up for you? Well, in a certain, you know, simplistic form, yes, they do compare. Um, you're buying cards to play those cards in tournaments. Um, that's probably the end of the comparison because mm. whilst Footstock had a great deal of potential, it's sort of, you know, we won't spend too long talking about this, I'm sure, mm. but Footstock had a lot of potential, but, you know, for, for a multitude of reasons, it didn't take off. Where so rare now it's got the financial backing, it's got the platform, you know, these are... Uh, nfts that are minted so you actually own those physical cards so i think so rare probably is the superior product now well it definitely is a superior product now mm. i think i think for like me and you and so many other people in the community you know we've come from that world of failed endeavors or failed sort of platforms that we we loved and played all the time and we were as engaged with as much as if not more than so rare um i don't think i've ever personally been more engaged than i am with so rare but um it's important to kind of take those lessons, but I think like having been on those platforms and still being so bullish and so rare. And I mean, I, I think about those platforms and the lessons from that every time I record a podcast, every time I put information out there, every time I, I play the game or every time I invest a bit of money. Um, But I think even with all that kind of all those lessons learned and all those caveats, it's quite positive that we can still be so bullish, <laughs> you know, mm. it shows just how strong a concept so rare maybe is, but Anyway, that's not how we planned to open the show, but here we go. Um, you've been on the platform since the 22nd of August 2020. Um, I don't know how active you were in the early days, but yeah, talk to us about your journey. Get, give people a bit of context about you and, and where you're at. Well, I'm sure that I didn't realise it was that early, but I'm sure a lot of people will have a, a similar story. Um, yeah, August last year, I uh, signed up so rare. I can't remember. Saw a link probably in at that time football index probably on uh, Slack. Uh, so I signed up, set my team, uh, then looked at how to deposit. Got awfully confused and mm. left it. And I did the same. So, yeah, 
And so the player, the common players that I had were utter crap. You know, I picked a guy, <laughs> some of whom, you know, uh, were absolutely rubbish by the time I actually came to play the game. Um, and I think it was the first actual player I bought was end of March this year. So pretty big gap, you know, mm. um, for a little bit of context, uh, as we spoke about a minute ago, I was on footstock, footstock went tits up. Um, I had roughly 20 grand in uh, footstock, which mm. disappeared overnight. My plan was at the, uh, the start of the year to slowly move a little bit off footstock into so rare. Obviously that plan went up shit Creek immediately. Mm. So you know, I sort of licked my wounds and uh, had a, a longer look at So Rare, started buying players, made the same mistakes that every person you've had on this pod and, you know, half the users on the platform will have made. Dead scatter gone. They're exactly. Yeah. Buying everything. Yeah. Exactly. Buy any player, not thinking about strategy at all. Um, and I sort of plugged along like that probably for a few months until the start of July. I think I probably deposited one ETH between sort of March and the start of July. And then in July, I listened to a podcast at the time. I think it was the the So Rare Andrews podcast. And they had a particular guy on um, called PSU Fans 2, who is an old DFS player, um, Daily Fantasy Sports, and he really knew his stuff. And listening to those pods sort of flicked a switch in my brain. And I sort of decided that actually I know a strategy now. And so I deposited a bit more and a bit more and sort of went from there and success sort of followed fairly quickly. That's brilliant. Um, PSU fans, I think it's Sean Newsham or maybe I'm, I'm pretty yes, sure that's, that's, right. his, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. his real name. But um, yeah, those podcasts, I can't recommend them enough. Every listener here, check out the So Rare Andrews podcast. And I'm going to derail us right from the get-go because I was listening to their podcast Walking the Dog this morning. And... I remember a week or two ago they were talking about are we in a boom and this week they said we're in a boom they've decided we're in a boom the andrews have declared we're in a boom what's your stance on that do you think we're booming prices seem a bit mad and not unnecessarily mad as in they're they're over the top but um in compared to what they were three weeks ago a month ago it, it's very hard to classify what a boom is but i mean the, the rare market is very liquid there's a lot going on and i had a quick look after hearing that podcast before we started talking I just had a very quick look at so rare data's charts now i don't like the auction volume history because i think it's very dependent on the team and players um do you know if they drop an mbappe unique that number goes through the roof it's very very hard but i think the well the number of lineups each game week is kind of helpful but the big one for me here is offer volume history and i know that you can't see this so i don't know if you can pull it up just for your own knowledge but regardless i'm going to explain it poorly to you for everyone listening at home basically back in that boom that happened it was sort of two three week two weeks even of just sheer madness like offer volume the highest it's ever been by like a million like way 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 high and then it kind of died off may june whatever else picked up a wee bit july and august and then we had a nice wee run in september but compared to even September and October, you're talking like the sort of average volume each day is probably about double what it was back in September. Um, I'd, and I'm not, this is very hard for me to describe. So I suppose all I'll say to anyone is going to so rare data, click on market, go to charts and run, roll down and have a look. Um, have you got that in front of you? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. Have you got a Lionel Messi tattoo? No. Or Dybala? 
the 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 rings. Does Dabala have that tattoo? Yes, he does actually. Yeah, Dabala has that tattoo. Yeah, I've had it for years. Yeah. What is there a meaning for that tattoo, or is it just aesthetic? I can't remember where I saw it, but it, it wasn't Dabala. But I did notice it straight afterwards. Someone else had it. I think it's like a some pop singer or artist making me sound my age there pop singer <laughs> some pop singer <laughs> big harry styles fan are you, do you know? <laughs> um but look you have the chart in front of you do you see what i mean like it's it's kind of steadily growing that offer volume and i think that's important because that's kind of what's going on behind the scenes yeah i think this chart backs up actually what was about what i was going to my response is that they spoke about that about uh are we in a boom a few weeks ago and i thought I'll have a look, are we in a boom? And at the time, all of the Europe players were rising, as you would expect, because they're the only leagues that are going to be running over the next sort of eight mm. weeks or so. Um, and I thought, yeah, maybe we're not in a boom. However, now every single player in every league's prices are rising. You know, you, you can't get any deals on um, mm. MLS players now, Asia players. The prices have already skyrocketed and the league's sort of, you know, eight weeks from restart. Um, so are we in a boom? I don't, a boom for me is a period of sort of growth that, you know, is exponentially bigger than we've had before. Mm. So from that point of view, I don't think we're in a boom. You know, and we, if you look at this chart, there's no exponential growth, but I think we are seeing increased growth and increased liquidity across all markets. Mm. Um I think at the moment it's heavily focused on the rare market, primarily because of the utility you get from rare and super rare and unique cards. Mm. I think as soon, you know, actually perhaps we'll talk about this, this a little bit more later um, in terms of sort of progression. I think one of the questions focuses on this, but I think once they launch Limited Pro, I, I see limited cards prices sort of following suit. I do too. I think... Um... I think that limited pro could be huge for limited cards, particularly the goalkeepers. But um, the thing, just to kind of for me, my closing thought on that boom thing, it's it's a very funny one because it's it's just it's a big statement that's really hard to quantify. It's all opinions. It's like what is a whale? Everyone's gonna have a different answer. For me, if you have to question whether or not you're in a boom, you're probably not in a boom. Agreed, definitely. Do you know? So while things are definitely more liquid, how much of that's down to a bottle bore, I actually don't know. Um, who was I talked about him last week in the podcast? So if you don't know what that means, go back and have a listen. Yeah, but, no, I've been tracking his stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of money injected into people's wallets to go spend it on other cards. And we know I, I'd love to know the percentages of people who like actually withdraw when they sell. I think most of the money's recycled. I don't think there's many people withdrawing at the minute. But um, oh no, that's, that's it. From him and sold to him, and they've just recycled the money straight back into the market. I actually, I think last month I maybe pulled out about three ETH or something maybe it was a big mistake but it was just the sensible thing to do for myself i was very vocal about it in my videos and podcasts kind of all but cleared off my car loan now which is nice um and that means that no matter what happens going forward at least i can sort of sleep easy at night you know and say well look at least i got that cleared off and, and sort of took out some some of my deposits but anyway um what, what were we about to speak about were we still talking about the boom or was there something you said we were going to talk about or am i just being a shit host no, no, I think we'd finished what we were talking about. I'd sort we did. Of, you know, yeah. Something I want to bring up before we get on to you and the kind of what you sort of felt we could speak about a bit because it's kind of where you've came from is the progression from a small budget and trading. And then we're gonna I'm gonna bring up Marco Sullivan's question, which is about kind of 
I'll read it after. It's about how it's starting out in so rare at the minute. I think it's that's a really interesting topic and one that I'm getting asked about a lot recently. But something just to be kind of self-indulgent for a minute. It's the vlog. I want to talk about the vlog very briefly. I told everyone last week at the podcast it was coming out. And I just want to thank everyone who listens. Um, genuinely. And this is a genuine thank you. It's not some bullshit thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, the, the reaction to it has really motivated me to do another one. I was, I was honestly like, now, David, I'm not even joking. I was a little. It was the first thing I've ever put out that I was nervous about, and the reason I was nervous is because I put so much into it. Do you know, I paid for the cameraman, the edit, and flew him out all expenses. Flew me out, got it done. Do you know, you're getting guys like Hoodwink who come in, meeting up with a couple of Spanish lads, Alberto and Samuel, and. It was just great. It was great fun, and I was really nervous about how the quality would come out in the end. And I think it's based on the reaction. There's 200 comments there, two, over 200, about 250 likes in the video, 2,000 views in the first few days. It's really nice. It's really good. Um, and I'm just really excited to see what I can do going forward with it. So hopefully, going to record another one towards the end of January. So this is a big shout out. If anyone can help me get tickets to AC Milan versus Juventus or Chelsea versus Tottenham then you know that could be where the vlog is at the end of january covid depending but yeah look i was just blown away it was it, i don't know what was your gut feeling when you, you watched it i hope um yeah of course yeah I did. was I, it what I, you uh, expected yes I, I could have watched more i think you, you that's probably, the biggest piece of feedback i mean yeah, and i'm I all about the feedback more. yeah i thought I, you know it was really interesting um seeing the the vip treatment you've got going into the stadium i love the fact that only you got a glass of champagne as you walk down the stairs <laughs> not the peasants behind me exactly, it was do you yeah. know what though the reason it was so short in there in the vip section was we got told to stop videoing after about five or ten minutes uh okay yeah a, a little spanish man came over and said uh cuando either okay okay like what are you doing i don't know i'm trying to do poor spanish he was like what are you doing i'm gonna throw in a i'm gonna throw in a there's two of them for the charity thing. Um, by the way, the swear count so far, I cursed 15 times in the first episode of December. I only cursed three times last week, and they were on purpose at the end of the podcast. I actually went to full podcast without cursing, which is strange, because I, I really want to give money to charity, so I'm going to try and be a bit more bad-mouthed this episode. Anyway, yeah, a little Spanish man came over and said, have you got approval? You can't record in here. I was like, I'm sorry, like, we didn't realise we needed to get approval. I'm an influencer. <laughs> <laughs> Let me record, sir. And he was like, no. And I was like, I was like can, can we get approval? And he was like, no. I was like, okay, so what do you tell me? He's like, you can't record in here because no one in here has signed, like, a thing saying they're happy to be recorded or something. And I was like, okay. So we took, like, a couple more sly videos, but thankfully we got away with a lot on pitch side. But the pieces are kind of um feedback i've got that were great was a few people sort of mentioned actually popping up the so rare team itself on the screen when i'm talking about it seems so easy now after the fact 100 percent will do that next time for the shots that were a bit further away from the camera i've already ordered 100 like the lapel mics you know for better audio from a bit of a distance yeah um a big one which is actually a really flattering one and it's as you just said i'm over the moon with it is people want more content on it people want it to be longer so i'm thinking next time we'll do it we'll do the normal vlog sort of aiming for 12 to 15 minutes and then maybe have kind of like the outtakes and inside conversations if there's a bigger group of people there see if we can record some sort of trades and negotiations happening live one thing i really wanted to do was alberto who was there Sauberv is his discord name he had a Mosala that i really wanted so i really wanted to get him laced get the sangria into him talk to him about a wee tadich for Salah sort of deal a wee bit of eth on top and then tell him I'd buy him his dinner but unfortunately he wasn't having it so the negotiation failed um and then the other I've the got last two piece questions of questions on it actually do 
Two questions. I'm sure a lot of the viewers that watched it would like to know, did you eat the squid omelette? And Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I actually, I, I'm not joking, I got up and went and was sick in the toilet in that cafe. <laughs> and I was away for honestly like 15 minutes. Really <laughs> like 15 minutes. And the thing was, and the beauty of it was that the night before when we had the dinner and the morning after when we had the dinner, Alberto, he's big into his food over there. Like big, big into his food over there. Um, he he basically picked the restaurants, and when we got there, we didn't even look at a menu or order. We just said, "Get us a load of stuff." That's really nice. He has an inclination towards seafood, and the the night before, we didn't even pick what we ordered other than sangria. And then the second day, the, for the morning, we sat down. I was dying. Alberto ordered a bunch of stuff in Spanish. I couldn't understand it. I went up to the toilet. Was there for ten minutes, thrown up. Came back, and the food was on the table. It was legit. Like I sat down, and I was like, "What the fuck is that?" Do you know, a squid ink omelet. I, I was like, are you serious, Alberto? Like, you know I'm dying here. Anyway, yeah, that happened. But um, And how much How much more footage was there of you playing football outside the new camp? That was put Right, I'm going to put out disclaimers here, as I always do. So I had a pair of Vans on. I was wearing tight jeans, and it was very windy. And I was hungover, <laughs> a lad. Um, they were around the world, that's all people needed to see. That's all people needed to see. Forget the touch afterwards. For a quarter of a second, didn't you? <laughs> quarter of a second, yeah. But um, it was funny because I actually, before we were going, I was like, someone has to be kicking a ball. But I was like, I need to show off. Tell you what, I actually haven't really kicked a ball much. I played five-a-side last night. I'm shite. I used to be decent-ish. But like, I did my ACL two years ago and did nothing for a long time. And I tell you what, I was never, I was actually, I was always really slow off the mark, but I was fast when I got going. I'm just slow now everywhere. I'm like yeah. a train. It's an absolute disaster. So well, it was doing your ACL that got you into doing content originally, wasn't it? If I remember rightly, it maybe it gave me a lot more time to do it. Hundred percent, it gave me a lot more time to do it. I can't. So maybe we would be it. sitting here talking today if it wasn't for that. Maybe not. Maybe not. I think I did it not long after. Um, not long before after I got into so rare. I joined so rare the weekend I did it. Oh really? Isn't that mad? That's mad. Just thinking now. Maybe anyway, did loads then. Eh? <laughs> If only you deposited loads then. If only, yeah. I think I have to be thankful for how much I got away with. I got away with a few crackers. Like, I got, like, a noble for, like, 70 quid, and, like, Bodart was probably pretty cheap. I got a few crackers, to be fair, so I can't really complain, but um, if only it went a bit heavier. But, anyway, regarding the vlogs, big, big thank you genuinely to everyone who went and had a look. If you haven't had a look, go and have a look. There's a Frankie de Jong limited card getting given away on christmas eve if you go over and watch the video and you'll see how you can enter that but yeah big shout out for tickets if anyone can get me tickets to chelsea tottenham or ac milan juventus come and be my friend let's go to a match and let's vlog it so that's the vlog um what next yeah let's talk about progressing from a small budget so did you start in a small budget uh yeah i think so yeah i mean i started on what roughly one eighth over the first sort of month Mm. Um, and that was one ETH when an ETH was about a grand. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's not a small amount of money, but... Yeah, it's not like you're two, three hundred quid, but I think when people come to me now with two hundred to three hundred quid to sign up, I almost say you better just trade and you're not going to build a really competitive team with that. Because Limited's yeah, more really. accessible, but you're not going to compete in Limited without the best players. And in Rare, you'll struggle to grind ETH with three hundred quid at the minute. But anyway, I think a grand is kind of like, it is a buyer entry, but it's just what the game is and i think it's kind of a if anyone asks me what's the least amount of money i need to start that's kind of what i'm throwing at them these days if you want yeah, to play so5 
if you want to jump in, have a team within a few days and start. You know, I bought players sort of slowly over the course of a month, although they were all rubbish players. But, um, you know, I sort of did it very gradually to start off with. That's why I sort of consider it sort of, you know, three start dates, sort of the one when I registered, the one when I actually bought a card, the one when I actually started properly playing. But, um, yeah. So you started off with that and talk to me about how you've progressed to where you are now. Did you deposit more since? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I, you know, I um, had to stop work a couple of years ago for health reasons. Uh, so I don't have crap loads of money to sort of, you know, shovel into sort of anything really. So mm. I've, when I have a bit of spare cash, I've sort of, you know, deposited it. If I've seen a player that I like and he's within my budget, I buy that player. Obviously, you know, things sort of, as you'd start to do better on so where, so, so where, so, so rare. Where. <laughs> so where so so is a good name for something like, so where? That's a so good where, name so for rare. Yeah. <laughs> some sort of content. Anyway. So, yeah, so, you, you know, you sort of exponentially grow your gallery, don't you? Because you start mm. to get rewards. So, you know, from July onwards, I started to regularly win rewards, um, you know, and started to win ETH. I got my first win a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had a couple of podiums sort of over the summer. So, yeah, sort of. Th- You've, won like, twice. You've won twice. You've won twice. I won twice. You've won twice, which is great going. I have to look back and see what you Sad that I can't remember that. My first main win, the first one where I got a de- it must have been a shitty week where there was like a load of crap for rewards. But uh, yeah, the first decent win was winning Asia the last week of the season. I was over the moon with that because I put a lot of effort into sort of Asia, a lot of effort mm. into all leagues. And I think when I joined, I didn't have the money, but I had the time. So I thought, well, I'll have a look at every single league, you know, and see how much they are, the players, and whether I can sort of buy those players to build sort of global all-star teams. And that's essentially what I did. I sort of, you know, at the time, the eight, the guys I wanted were the same guys that, you know, you've got in your gallery and, you know, I'm a Liverpool fan, so I'd love to have, you know, you'll never walk alone, you know, not mm. this whole gallery, but at least some of the Liverpool guys. But, you know, that wasn't in my budget. So I went to uh, China, uh, MLS even at the time, they didn't release the new season cards, so their prices were obscene. They were a lot more expensive than Challenger Europe players. So, yeah, I went down the career and J-League uh, sort of wormhole, and it was a tough learning curve because some of the names are different on so rare as they are in, mm. you know, on things like Flash Score and um, Sofa Score. So it was tough, but, you know, you gradually get there. I found watching one game a week from each of sort of, you know, the K-League and the J-League really helped. But, yeah, I sort of really enjoyed sort of submersing myself when I had time on my hands to sort of do that, to go through all of that sort of stuff. I think, like, I tried the whole Asia bit for a while and I found, like, because I'm just so engrossed in all the European football, it's like there's so many hours in the day. And then trying to, like... There is something nice about waking up on like a Saturday morning and the J League games are already been played and half of them are done and then you can kind of you're already in the mix. But I find like I hate when I wake up, and do you know it's a bore. It's a Saturday. You've no plans. You're a bit hungover and you're waiting around three four hours for football to start. It's it's like whenever you have an Asian exposure, it's it's go, you're going from the get go. I used to lo- love having Kikuchi and Tani for that reason. Probably one of my regrets as a seal Kikuchi. But um, I try and pick him off. What's his price like in this off season? Apparently no one's dropping in price. Is no, he's about half an eighth again now. 
Is he? Ah, oh, he is. Oh, what a player. What a player. I suppose the risk there is that he goes to Bundesliga 2 or something. Yeah, but, the um, problem is he's going to do one more year in um, J-League and then move to wherever will take him. You know, he's a mm. decent player, so maybe he'll get a decent move. Who knows? But Yeah, but um, no, I think you're, you're very shrewd with people. What I always kind of say is, as you've said there, it's like either have a load of money or you have a load of time. And like, if you've got the time and you've put the time in, I mean, you've obviously been rewarded with those wins, and I mean, you have a really sort of big gallery now. You've you've three hundred and twenty odd limiteds, nearly two hundred rares, and and four super rares. Um, I'll just ask you a quick question. Skin in my head there on the super rares. Do you use them much? Like, do you go for a couple of D three entries, or are they more kind of speculative super rares you have? I um want to start doing D three in uh, oh sorry rare pro we should say shouldn't we oh yeah we should yeah wrong yeah rare pro in um, when the Asia and the US league starts up so I've literally just started buying super rares mm. probably my biggest mistake was not buying super rares earlier on but you know I thought I didn't have the budget but you know if I'd have bought them maybe I'd have won more early on but you know. It's a hard one, and it is that kind of like, where do you start? So a question from Marco Sullivan, uh, which I kind of want to lead this topic with, is with the uncertainty regarding the progression bar and the potentially replacing the thresholds for rare all-star, what would you recommend new users to buy first, limited, rare, super rare, or unique? And it's a really hard question. Again, I say this every week now because I'm asked this every day. I am genuinely asked this every day across socials. Um, Where do I start? What do I need? Where do I go? Will you recommend some players? I always just give them the response of, and this is the, this is the God's honest truth. I can sit here. I I was listening to a podcast. This is a really weird podcast for me to be listening to. What was it even? I heard someone who I know posted it, and I just said, "Okay, I'll give that a listen." Let me find it. It's called "The Diary of a CEO" by what's his name? What is his name? Stephen Bartlett. I don't even know who this guy is. I listened to the first episode last night. And he talked to uh, Molly May, right? Remember from Love Island? I don't know if you... you oh, know, yeah, no, I do, yeah. She's, she's well went on to be, she started off as influencer and she's went on to be full-blown creative director at Pretty Little Thing, which is a big thing. Anyway, one little line in that that kind of stood out to me, and albeit this might sound a bit pretentious, but genuinely it's kind of how I feel with the content. One of the questions he asked her was like, do you feel the more you grow, the less your average kind of viewer or follower can relate? And that's how I kind of felt about my gallery because I remember when I started making content, I was always really digging in the trenches, finding little bit gems over here and looking over there and buying the guys from Asia and doing this. And now I'm at the stage where my gallery's going to this, the point, and I got in early and everything else. Where like, for someone to have a gallery like me, they need to literally be a millionaire and come in to play the game, or they need to have been like me and have grown over the last sort of 14, 16 months. So it's like. Whenever people ask me this question of where do I start, I almost feel like I'm probably the least qualified person to answer this because it's been it's been so long since I've started or so long since I've looked at budget players. Do you know what I mean? It's a really hard one for me to answer when they ask me, "Can you suggest a few players?" And I'm like, "Man, this sounds terrible." Like, but I just bought Wurtz. Do you know what I mean? Like, I that's where I'm looking at the minute, and it sounds yeah, so like right. it's such a privileged type of thing to be in, but it's like. At the minute, I'm really not looking around the trenches and trying to find those bargains. Um, so I always just say go to so Rare Data and use the player finder or the card finder because that's what I would do. Um, I think my, I mean, I get asked that as well. You know, I'm sure most people do that know people on the platform, but how, how much is your budget? You know, if your budget yeah. is, you know, 
two or three hundred quid, then trade. You know, that's literally the answer as well. There, there comes a point where you can't buy a competitive SO5 team. So your best bet is to try and trade, as you say. And then they go, what player will I buy? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> find, I always just find someone injured or find someone who had really good scores and is injured or find someone who, um, I don't know, was out of form. You know, there, there's different things you can do there. But um, well, I think would I tell it, someone to start now? It's a hard question. I think if I was starting now with a similar budget of one ETH, you know, it, it's so difficult. But I would look for the play, the league that is the cheapest comparatively. And at the moment, that's really difficult because Asia and America are already shooting up. I think there's a bit of value in the um, uh, Mexican league and the Peru league. They've obviously only got one team in there just because they start up again on um, Jan 7th. So there's literally only a couple of weeks now until you can use your um, America cards again, those America cards anyway. Um, so look for look for value within the platform. Ask different users. Um, and when someone tells you a player, check into that player yourself. Mm. Don't buy it because someone says it. Um so if that if I was just starting with a grand, just starting with one ETH or a grand, or that's completely different value these days. But if I was starting with a grand, one thousand pounds, at the moment I'd probably try and build a rare side for ETH. I'd still do it. You know, they've given us no indication that this progress bar is coming imminently. They've said they're testing it. Um, you know, I think you've just got to play with the goalposts there at the moment. Um, yeah. that, that's what I tend to say. I mean, if someone comes to me and says two or three hundred quid, I say, look, to be honest with me, to be honest with you, you're not going to buy a limited team that can compete and you're not going to buy a rare team that can grind ETH. So your best bet is to play the patient game. Either don't get involved or look to trade. That's what I say, right? And then they say, okay, I'm coming in with 500 quid a grand, whatever. Then I'll say, they go, oh, but I, and the, the game, they're in that dilemma of the, do I go limited or do I go rare? And I say, well, look, if you want to play with better players who you enjoy and who play for better teams and maybe you're more likely to watch the games, go for limited. It might be more fun, but you'll probably win a little less. I said, but <clears throat> I'd probably recommend rare, but disclaimer, the old E threshold might change. But the big thing for me with the going for um, rare cards is, you know, buy quality SO5 players within their budget. You know, buy guys with that 40 or 45 average who are nailed on, who play on a team that they've been there for a couple of seasons. They're pretty nailed. Get a guy who might only cost you 0.06, 0.05, something like that, but like who does play regularly, who does grind out 40s and 45s most weeks. Because then whenever the, the goalposts are inevitably changed and things change, I can't see them doing it in a way that kills every single team that grinds ETH. They will bring in something that makes players who score regularly valuable. They will have to. They just have to, otherwise the platform probably dies. At least 90% of the market dies. They know that. That's probably why it's such a delicate balance and it's taking them so long. I trust them to make the right decision. And for that reason, I'd say I would just come in, buy the rares, do the research first before you buy. Don't buy a player and then buy another and buy another. Do you know, come in with a bit of a strategy. Use your common goalkeeper. Maybe get a sort of a stack in a fence or maybe two defenders in the midfielder and forward. Do what you have to do. Build around that common keeper. If, if it's like an Anderlecht keeper, for example, or it's a player that, you know, you can actually sort of stack 
the defence with, I mean, if you have an Allison, you're not going to go and buy Trent or Van Dyke with that budget. So I'm kind of beating around the bush here. You know what I'm saying? Basically, what I say is aim high. I feel like long term, you'll be able to trickle down to limiteds maybe. Uh, but I feel if you get stuck into limiteds now, the progression, it's it's just not going to be there. I think you'll find it really hard to go up the ladder. Um, well, I think one of the questions asked about progression, maybe it is this question. Uh, and one, one of the problems I have with the current sort of, you know, I don't want to go down this wormhole too much, the reward structure, because there's so much being said on it. And, you know, I think most people agree that it does have to change to a certain degree. Um, and so rare, as I understand it, are working on it. Um, but I really think that when they launch Limited Pro, the top half, the top maybe 10 spots should get a rare card. I think in rare pro, I think the top couple of, you know, that maybe podium spots need to get super rares. I think the winner in super rare pro, if that's a thing, is super rare pro? No, I think it's just super rare, isn't it, League? I, I, you know, I'm not even in that. I don't even think I can see that because I don't, what, you go to super rare, yeah, it's just the super rare and then it's just Yeah, unique. if you win super rare, you should probably get a unique card because that's what you need to progress. And I think that's what's missing at the moment. Yes, you know, if you win um, Global All-Star Limited, you know, you're probably going to get a card that's, you know, 0.2, and you can then sell that and then buy a rare card. But why not just give them a rare card? Just for the top spot, give them a star rare. for Sorry, mm. for Limited Pro, not for Limited. You know, that would aid progression. That shows a clear path to progression. Do well, then you can win cards, and then you can play at the higher divisions. Mm. And it frustrates me that it's not like that. Not that it will really affect me too much at the moment because I just play in limited and rare. So, you know, in those divisions, I expect to win a limited or a rare. But I think for progression's sake, it needs to be structured like that. But, like, I'm, I'm looking ahead here now to the weekend coming, right? There's a good few games. And under 23 pro, right? I mean, yes, okay, there's five-star airs up for grabs. But, I mean, like, you'd think that in the amount of money that goes into those teams and, like, how competitive that is, like, as again, as you say, there should be some sort of super rare there in the pool. Do you know, there should be a tier one super rare up for grabs, at least, um, in my opinion. And, again, it goes back to that. And this has been talked to death. It's that kind of reverse progression or whatever it is, regression. It's like you should be able to win a card that can allow you to compete in the next division, in the division you're in. So if you're in rare... You know, you should be able to win a super rare even, I think, at the very top places. And look, even if it's on top of the current rewards, they have to have a million tier three super rares and even tier fours in Asteroid, like in little fucking, what do you call those things? Inverted commas, like, there's a lot of these DMPs and players who are pretty shit super rares, really, to win. But why not just throw them in on top of, like, these star rare wins and stuff? You know, get them out there. I mean, you're going to sell them for pittance anyway. It's like... I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, it could be nice to win super rares with rare cards and it could be nice to win uniques with super rare cards and it could be nice to win rare cards with limited cards. It just makes sense for progression. Um, but again, who knows? I don't know where they're going with the whole progression bar. And I mean, look, we were promised it three months ago and there's it's still kind of, I'd say radio silence. There are little updates in newsletters and all, but it doesn't sound like they're any closer to a solution. But, but I definitely agree with Black on the... Um... Uh, so rare, so Andrews. Is that right? So rare, so Andrews podcast. So rare, Andrews. I think so rare, Andrews. Yeah, the you know whatever the progression bar is, it's going to be better off for so rare and worse off for the users. So 
you know, what's the rush? Stick around with the threshold, mm. thresholds at the time being. And, you know, as I said earlier, just play to the goalposts that are there at the moment and don't worry about what they might be in the future. Yeah. I think actually the ETH something that I've underappreciated in recent weeks and months, like Rail always oh, like throwing the, the D4 kind of all-star team or the all-star rare team last with sort of what I've got left. But like in recent weeks, I'm starting to think, like, you know, hitting that 0.02 is nice every week. It adds up. Yeah, I'm, I've so far, since I joined so rare, I've nearly made an ETH off that. I wonder what I've made. Oh yeah, I suppose we can go into your SO5 stats, can't we? You've made 1.18 ETH total, but I suppose you've had a podium or two, haven't you? Yeah, so I think it works out about 0.8 ETH or something like that, just from those 0.02s. Mm. That's a decent I've, amount of money. It adds up. I've got 2.21 you know. as my total ETH earnings, but I had... I think I've had three podiums. I so you've, probably, you've got a decent whack as well then. But... Mm, that's that's 2.28 total rewards. That's something I actually missed. That's a big thing with my kind of gallery at the minute that I'm really having an absolute hernia about and just can't make a decision. So I'm going to talk about it every week and people are going to get annoyed. It's the whole like balancing for SO5 versus kind of collectability and long-term plays. It's something I'm really struggling with. I just don't know what Yeah, I see the pain on your face every week when you're doing your team selections. I swear to God, it's actually killing me, and I just don't know what to do. I really don't want to sell Macherky. I really don't want to get rid of Ronaldo. Mm. You know, I don't want to get rid of these players, but like, I mean, look, Ronaldo, whatever, it's Ronaldo, he does score goals, but it's like, from an SO5 perspective, for his price, I could probably trade him and get a Tadic. Do you know, it's like, when you put it like that, it's SO5 versus long-term collectability slash even just ability. I think like Cherky and Doku long-term. I think they're golden but i mean like short term so5 it's hard the reason i bring that up is because i just mentioned the three podiums i had in like march and april back then my gallery was heavily heavily geared towards so5 i had some absolute ballers and it showed in the rewards and i know it's way 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 more competitive now but it's like i don't know you should be getting just... a, you know a podium every couple of months with I your gallery, you have into the, that gallery. I haven't podiumed in six months more. Yeah, no, you is, should be getting better, much better rewards. Like in October now, I won like one and a half eighths worth of cards. I did I had a good month. Like there was, I don't know. I think it worked out just over six grand if I looked at it in terms of like actual like rewards. And I did sell them and I did withdraw them to pay off that car loan. That was a good month, but I mean, there's a lot of tier ones and twos, and again, I kind of I feel like it's so competitive at the minute. Within that month, there was a couple of I think I scored four hundred and twenty in under twenty threes one week and got a tier two Tiberibo or something, um, which was hard to stomach, you know. But he's scored a couple of goals the last few weeks. But yeah, um, occasionally watch your reward videos and the pain on your face when you get rewards. Every time. Um, I've just never got a really, really good one. Do you know what, actually? It's so funny, though, because I, I had a moment this week where one of the most, like, oh, really? Who's this guy? Was when I got Koku. I got Koku as a reward, and I was like, oh, who? Koku now is probably the worth, like... He's brilliant, it? yeah. He's a really good player, worth, like, yeah. An eighth and a half or something. If I went to sell him, I kept him, thankfully. I tried to sell him for, like, 0.3 when I won him. No one bought him. But um, yeah, there's one on auction there. Has 13 minutes left, and it's at 0.96. It'll probably go for an eighth more. Yeah. I'm gonna watch that. But it's so funny because when I got him as a reward, I was like, Ugh. <laughs> you know, like when you get goalkeepers as well, it cracks me up your face. It's like never heard of him, and he's probably yeah. worth like you know 0.5 or something ridiculous <laughs> yeah. like that. Like, but, be happy, John. <laughs> look, bottom line is, I suppose, um, 
I think I need to transition a bit more towards SO5, but do you know, I bought Wurtz. I actually was, I was this close, by the way, to buying Nkunku the other night, and my card was declined because in Barcelona, they froze it because of spending money in Barcelona. You know, they do that at times. So my card got blocked, and I didn't realise it until I went to bed in so rare. It was gutted. I missed Nkunku by, like, seconds. Um, I love Nkunku. He was brilliant. Even oh. on Football Index, I used to have loads of him. But he was an absolutely uh, blinding player. He's a blinding yeah. player. Absolutely, he is. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. It's something I need to look at. Maybe transition, maybe get rid of a few of these kind of longer term plays and stuff. Maybe get a few, get rid of a, a few, get rid of a few of my shit super rares. Um, but anyway, we'll move on. Uh, Have you ever there... worked out what percentage of your gallery is for you know? potential growth of players for young players that aren't doing anything now or for so5 do you know how much of your gallery is literally I don't know the percentage but it's way too high it's way yeah. too high so You're i probably talking half in mind yeah i'd say half my gallery is really really elite youth but like they aren't really doing enough yet do you know um like even like i look there i have nuno mendes remember how he was meant to be the next best thing and I mean, he's a PSG now, under 23 defender, young, and he's just not scoring. El Hadj, golden boy a few years back or something. I don't know if he was golden boy, but he was something boy. He was really good. Calvin Stangs, remember him? Coop Miners, he's actually doing a bit recently. Brendan Aronson, Nemecha, Jacob You Rasmussen. didn't you, in the last transfer window last summer, I think some of your yeah. AZ staff oh, yeah. got absolutely killed. But even, by- like... I know this is a very kind of just talking about me for a second, but look, it's my podcast. You'll have to listen. Cuisance, <laughs> I mean, obviously, he, he I bought him purposely when he's done nothing because I thought, look, long term, he has quality. Hopefully, he goes to Turkey or something and tears it up. But Bubakar Kamara, like, he was nailed and he has, he's been in and out. Can't trust him. Adela Sheesh, he's never nailed down a spot. Kakare, a 45 point merchant. Zeno Van Huysden, injury ridden, not doing great. Milan Van York's doing all right. Daryl Dyke, Pepe, they're away. All the, they're all away. Like, I could go through this whole gallery. Nico Williams, yeah, waiting until Trent's injured or he gets a transfer. Reese Williams went to Swansea. doesn't really play every week. Nicholas Raskin, got a few assists recently, which is nice. But, I mean, Eunice Musa does nothing. I could go through them all. Doku, who's been injured. Zayda Yusuf, Marco Kana, Luca Oyen. There's just loads of them. And it's starting to do my bap in. But it's so hard to let go of them because I just... I trust in a lot of these players long term, but it's so hard to think more short term and like what I could win on SO5. It's that opportunity cost, isn't it? It's like uh, Cherky. If you could sell him for a decent price yeah. now, I know you don't want to, you could reinvest the money from some of the, from him and a couple of other players, buy some decent SO5 players now and win back the money to rebuy him in two months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know you can go for the short term, but think think slightly longer term. Oh, okay. That, there's there's a conversation that'll keep me up tonight. But anyway, is there anything you want to talk about the progression or the trading aspect before we move on? From the tra- I mean, from the trading point of view, we didn't really speak about that too much. But no. you know, what one of the big differences between my gallery and say your gallery, apart from obviously yours is worth you know a huge amount more is if a friend if i showed a friend of mine my gallery who was into football but not into so rare they probably wouldn't recognize a single name and i've got Mm. 500 players you know a lot of them are you know rookie limiteds but you know 
I paid like 0.0014 or whatever. But regardless of that, they wouldn't recognise one name. If they looked at your gallery or, you know, even another person's gallery who, you know, just goes down the route of buying the premium assets, then they would recognise probably most of the names. Mm. Um, so I looked outside the box. I looked for players. I don't like spending more than, unless it's a goalkeeper, more than 0.2 on a player. Mm. You know, and that includes super rares. I'm happy to sit on players. I've got a, you know, probably 10% of my gallery is for youngsters who could sort of progress and go through, but it's really low amounts I'm paying for these guys. Mm. Um, then I've probably 40, 50% is for SO5 players that are active now. And then the rest of it is looking at players that I think I can flip for a better price. You know, like I bought. Um, Mark McKenzie, the mm. guy from the Genk defender. Um, I saw that the new manager that had come in started playing him, played him the second game. I saw one for 0.09, bought it, stuck it on the market for 0.1, sorry, 0.135, sold it. So I did that deal within, you know, 12 hours. I made 0.05, yeah. you know, and there's opportunities like that every day. There's a guy that I mentor that I met through So Ray, messaged me on Discord, asked for a bit of advice. We got chatting and I've been mentoring him ever since. He's got a way better, he's got a gallery that's more like yours. You know, he's got absolute superstars. But I help find other players for him that are cheaper, that he can pad around all those brilliant players so he can, you know, be a bit more flexible and enter more leagues. But um, when you say mentor, what does that involve? Like... Well, he just, I'm sure you get this a lot as well. I'm sure a lot of people do. He just messaged me wanting to buy, I think, Joe Willis, a Nashville goalkeeper mm. at the time. I said, no, I don't want to sell him. And he said, well, literally, I've just started playing this properly. Have you got any advice? So I spent a long time going through mistakes I'd made and what mm. I would do if I was him. He gave me his budget. Um, I'll, t- I'll say the guy's name because people can check anyway. But uh, the guy's name is Travelling Pizza. Um, <laughs> I love the names. Based, based in Portugal at the time, and he's a really nice guy. And now we speak on Zoom, sort of, you know, every couple of weeks. We do reward openings together, and he's just a really nice guy. And he's helped improve my game as well. Um, so, in terms of helping him, it, it, you know, if I can't afford a player, but I think it's more likely in his budget, but I still think that player can make a decent amount on in a short space of time, I'll fire the details off to him. I sent him one yesterday, which. I think he's saving for a particular player now. So, you know, he didn't want to take that risk on not being able to shift it within a few days. But, mm. you know, we just sort of pass tips onto each other. You know, I'm sure there's WhatsApp groups and Discord groups where people do exactly the same. But, I, you know, I just try and be there when I can, when I'm feeling fit and healthy to sort of help him. But That gallery is filthy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I thought he was going to come back and say at the start... I've got one ETH, you know, your usual sort of like, you know, I've yeah, got a couple yeah. hundred quid, where do you think I should start? And he said, well, I've got five ETH now, but I can move sort of 30 ETH in in like a few weeks. So I was like, fair enough. Okay, this so we're looking on a different yeah. scale. So, yeah. But That's a fun what, project, like, to be like, or like, I'd love someone to come at me with like, I'm probably the worst person to come to, but I'd love someone to come at me with 30 ETH and be like, right, help me build something. That's fun. And he's done well. He's got, like, if you look at his teams, that um, he's only got one team running this midweek, but he's got some cracking players. And he had Lewandowski, Selimani, who scored decent yesterday, and he's got a few players going tonight. So, 
don't know whether he'll win rare pro, rare pro midweek, but I reckon he could be on for a decent finish. I have a, a horror story from this week, midweek. I really only entered one properly competitive team. Now, my under my sort of ETH grindy team, Nemecha got a goal last night, which is great, but it has Bodart and there's rumours of that game being off. Matip, I feel like, could be rotated for Kanate in the midweek, but against Newcastle, it's not a particularly tough fixture for Liverpool. So there's a couple of speculative ones there, but I, hopefully I can hit the threshold. But my one, like, yeah, that's competitive, was Van de Vert, Trent, Florian Verts, Charles de Kettler, and a Yari Versharan super rare in under 23 rare pro, right? Now, what did they see this? Where is it? I took screenshots of it. I hardly deleted it, did I? I've deleted them. Anyway, basically, I think I sent them into, I think I sent them on to Quinny. I have them here. Yeah. So last night when I went to sleep, Versharan had, I actually had higher than this. He had about a 26.6 all-around score. So without a decisive, Yari Versharan, my super rare, had scored like a 62-pointer, right? With the super rare bonus on top, you're talking 70-something points. I woke up this morning, and his all-around score went from 26 to 8.6. The man lost about 18 points, plus the super rare bonus. 20 points off the score overnight because of Opta. I've never been Opta that hard. That was road. That's horrible. Yeah, and now I'm sitting here, but like, okay, well, that team is going to have to do something magical to compete, even though it's like world beaters. It's like, anyway, that was a horror story. I've never been opted so hard in my life. But, yeah, so, I think it's an interesting one with people coming in with larger budgets and, like, starting on so rare. I don't get many of them coming to me, to be honest with you, if ever, but it's really interesting because then you, you have so much to work with and you have so many strategies you can go for. And it's like, looking at your guy there, Travelling Pizza, like, he bought a lot of cards three months ago and their prices look hilarious compared to even today. Do you know? Yeah, like, he actually bought... Um um, Morioka. I didn't advise him to buy this player because I think he's due a fall. Um, I just think he's, you know, a nightmare scenario waiting to happen. But he bought a super rare Morioka for, I don't know, two and a half, three. I actually can't remember the price. And he is L5 at the time. It was okay, but it wasn't great. And then he had that period recently where he's just gone absolutely absurd. He had an L5 of uh, over 70 or something ridiculous. And... I said, stick your super rare on the market for six ETH or whatever. Mm. And he, put it, he eventually sold it for a decent price. I reckon he still regrets it. He'll probably listen mm. to this and tell me, no, I don't regret it. But, yeah. you know, it hurts selling a player when they've got a massive L5. But yeah. I think he made the right move. He got a decent price for it, you know, made loads of money on it. And he's invested it in some really cracking players recently. It is tough selling when people have cracking L5. Someone who I'm thinking now I should maybe sell is Charles de Kettler. I was looking at selling him a month ago and no, there was no one biting for half an ETH. And now he's on the market. The cheapest one's 0.72. And his L5 is looking pretty good. I think I'd get him sold in a heartbeat. I just feel... I don't even know. I don't want to go down a Charles de Kettler conversation. But maybe I actually need him at the minute. But we'll see how he does in this fixture midweek. But it is that whole L5. Now there's a big shiny green number there. His prices went up all of a sudden and people are probably wanting to buy him. So I find it so hard to sell. It's probably my biggest weakness. I used to be very liquid. I used to be trading all the time and in and out and making a million mistakes. I'm very static at the minute. I'm not really trading much. I think I've just got a big gallery that I'm kind of happy with and players that I trust and know. And I think whenever you become comfortable with players and you follow them and you know where to get the news and you've, you know, you follow the team and... 
it's harder than if you want to go switching up and move into other players. Like, now I've just bought Florian Vert, so okay, well, now I follow Leverkusen. I never watched a Leverkusen game before. Now I'm a Leverkusen guy and I have to follow that team as well. And I think if you if I was to go and switch my gallery up, albeit for better players or better SO5 players, it's that whole, like, it's the labour of it all. It's like, ugh, do you know? Yeah, but no, again, that's what some people love about the game. That's like, I call it labour. That's what the hobby is, I suppose. That's the hobby of so rare. But, um, Look, I'll ask a question or two here because there's a few here that you're great to ask. So, Kelvin wants to know, we kind of touched on this, what does progression mean or look like to you now compared to if you were starting tomorrow with the same original budget? So, what's progression to you? Like, where do you want to be in six months in so rare? Um, I want to move up to rare pro in Asia and MLS. And so, I was hoping in the off-season to get some cheap super rare sort of defenders and stuff like that. You know, the prices are ridiculous already. So I thought, you know, maybe I'll just buy some rare, super rare prospects. And, you know, I've picked up a couple so far. Um, I think it's going to be a sort of a longer grind for me to get into there. And that's why I think that, you know, if you win <clears throat> the rare divisions, you should perhaps get sort of super rare or get the rare pro. You should definitely get super rares, you know, to help with progression because it is a tough moving up. You know, there's such a big financial gap between, you know, having a team in every division in limited than there is in rare. You know, how do you make yeah. that gap? That's like a, you know, 10, 15 grand gap. So, yeah, I think progression is very difficult. Um, if I was starting now, I'd probably be, you know, try and go for that ETH threshold team. And I think limited prices are so low at the moment on a lot of the players, a lot of the players. And I know they're going to release a lot more, but there's no way they're going to release a thousand of some of these players <clears throat> before the new card seasons come out. Um, there's always going to be a lot of limited players, but I still think that you can make decent money trading them. Mm. No, I, I think um, uh, I think I, th I think the limited ones an interesting one, um, but I'm not going to go off on that. I'm going to go off on what progression for me is. I think progression for me is probably taking the ball ache and taking a few weeks to restructure i think there's a lot of dead weight there now and it's hard because while i wouldn't be taking losses on a lot of them i think time has been my friend ethan the growth of sewer has been my friend i think a lot of them i'd probably actually make a profit on whenever i got them but still it feels like a loss because they're probably around the same price you know so it's not like they've grown much um and it's like then you feel like you're giving up on the on the i wouldn't say it's a punt but like whenever you buy a young player and you're like this guy's going to be great in a season and you've held him all season or like the end of last season, say I bought them seven, eight months ago, and you've held them that long waiting for them to get that break, and if, if I find it so hard giving up on them now, it's like I've put, I've, I've literally let them sit there for seven or eight months. It's almost like the, it feels like a loss, and it makes yeah, it hard no to cut ties. Yeah. But I think the right thing to do and the disciplined thing to do with the likes of Maxim de Kuyper, Lucas Listens, these guys is just to say goodbye, and it mightn't be much ETH you get, but it all adds up. Um, so for me, progression in the next sort of few months is probably to go back to being more SO5 friendly. When did you buy Melvin Bard? I bought Mel. I was a, I bought Melvin Bard when I don't know. Find out very quickly for you. It was probably one of my better buys. I got him for point four, I think, at the time, which was probably when ETH was pretty cheap seven months ago. Bottom when he was at Leon, um, and he was kind of knocking on the door to play, and then he got the move to Nice. And he's been great. Now, yeah, blinding. I think he's had some 
he has some good scores, he has some bad scores, but um, there was a week him and Tadebo, I stacked them every single week, and there was a week they both had hundreds and I broke them up. Can't believe it. But um, I think my best super rare buy, <clears throat> surprise, surprise, is the most expensive one I've ever bought, which was Jonathan David. I bought Jonathan David um, back in, is that June? I think I bought him in June. Yeah, 5th of June. Remember, it was, that was a 4 o'clock in the morning auction. That I actually set the alarm, woke up, went and looked at him. And bought Jonathan David Super Rare. Bought him for nearly two ETH, four and a half grand at the time. I think now, I don't even know. It's hard to price him. I think it's, it's very hard to price him, but he sold a month ago for double that. Like so, um, He's having a good, he's in good form at the moment, isn't he? He scored a few he's goals. He's in incredible form. He's had, yeah. he's had an absolute blinding season. I'm really, really excited to see where he goes, actually, or what he does. He's not going to stay at Lille. I think that's kind of for sure. So, like, But, I mean, if you go under anything... Um, let me see, Jonathan David. I'm just over on flash score here. I like it because you can just see the goals he's scoring. I mean, like, you're talking his run of form. It's so prolonged. and It's so... It's amazing, like, if you just look at the amount of goals he's scoring and how consistently he's scoring, it's obscene, like, for a 21-year-old. It's properly crazy numbers. But, anyway, we'll move on to the next question. There's another progression one. McBride. How do you feel about progression in general, and how do you feel so rare could tweak the league's entry requirements? For example, limited pro, what is needed to enter a rare pro, etc. So we've touched on a lot of this. So, but is there anything you want to add onto that? I think a big thing a lot of people kind of go at is like the whole like D three, like should you need super rares to enter it? Do you know like that? That's something that jumped to my mind there when he's talking about sort of rare pro entries. So no, do I don't think, think you should. I think that you know super rares give you an advantage. So if you can play them, you should play them. I don't think you have to play them, um, although I understand why, you know, some people would like them to be, you know, you have to play. I think maybe if you had to play one, then it would help liquidity and also probably raise the prices of some of the sort of T3, T2 Super Rare cards. Um, but I think whatever they do, it needs to be uniform across the across the platform. So, you know, with... Um, uh, sorry, limited pro, then it has to be, you can have two rare cards um, and you can only captain limited uh, for rare pro, then it's two, you can have two super rares, you can only captain the rares and it has to be uniform. I think they probably do need to get away with um, or get rid of the common cards in, um, common cards in a D4 in a rare Um I understand it's going to be very tough for a lot of people because a lot of people rely on running uh, common keepers. Um, I don't know how they get around it. I think maybe if they had a common pro as well where you could run a couple of limiteds, it you know does balance out the progression and live, at least gives people one sort of, you know, can only afford to buy maybe one limited card or route or step onto the ladder. But um, it's tough. I mean, whatever they do, there's going to be people that moan about it. So... Would you play a Trent Alexander-Arnold rare or a lesser super rare? And it's hard to like quantify exactly who. Or Would you pick a 60 average rare or a 45 average super rare? Do you know it's hard? Like, I mean, yeah, I'm I mean, trying to get at here is for rare, Sorry, for, rare, for rare pro, what I find hard is like, should the super rares be required? I don't know. I actually don't know. I think... It would obviously be beneficial for me if they were, but at the same time, what am I even trying to say? But probably they shouldn't. But um, it's a very hard one because I think quite often having a premium rare 
if they cost a similar price to the Super, it's probably even beneficial in that division. Yeah, I've won rewards in um, old D3, you know, quite a few times by playing just rare cards. Mm. Um, no, the beauty is there, they kind of start at tier twos, so you can get, like, whenever you get a reward, even if you just squeak into the bottom, you're probably getting a half-decent reward, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I've got, I can't remember what i got now. I remember in Asia one week, it was a slightly shorter week, and I thought, you know, there's far better rewards on offering uh, D3, so I whacked my team in that rather than putting it in D4. Um, mm. All the players did okay and, you know, got a decent reward. Having a look here, do you know what I love about Surrey Data is it, t- it tells you when you won a card and I think it shows you, um, I don't know if it shows you the team that won yet. You can do that. Yeah, I came 13th in under 23, D3. That's where I won my Koku back then. I was just wondering if I got him in a rare, super rare. But I'm pretty sure when I entered that team, it was probably a rare team. There might have been a super rare in there, maybe the Jonathan David or something. But um, yeah, I think we're getting a lot of questions around this progression and everything. Um, I don't know, is it something you've been particularly vocal on or something? Is there a reason? Or maybe it's because I put it in the... You started in a small budget and you're working your way up through trading and research in leagues. Maybe that's why people are talking about progression. But, yeah, um, I think, you know, my views are fairly strong that they need to sort of, you know, get this limited pro division out there. Um, and the fact that I anticipate they're going to do that is one of the reasons why I've bought quite a few limited cards and especially limited goalkeepers, because if they do, if and when they launch it, I want to make sure I can build teams in sort of limited, limited pro, rare, and then maybe the odd rare pro as well. But I think it's something funny because it, like maybe six months ago, it was all the talk about how they could never get rid of common cards as keepers because of X, Y, and Z. And now it feels very much that everyone's braced and ready for it. It's like the next logical step is limited pro and commons be stuck back to the casual or some sort of casual limited or casual pro. Um, where you get to use those common keepers but we just don't know the feature they're going to bring out does this progression bar, is there some sort of mode where you can put in any scarcity of card they all have different bonuses and it's all about points over X amount of time and maybe those common keepers do still have a use albeit they aren't as strong um, maybe there's a use outside because I mean I've, I think they've talked about game modes and releasing the progression bar and new game modes, I think they've kind of mentioned that whether they meant mm-hmm. to or not a couple of times and it's like okay is there something coming out that we've never even considered that's going to bring value to these cards that we're all overlooking because we don't know of, of its existence so it's just exciting I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what that progression bar is you know they've waited long enough they have to execute now and i mean with the amount of money and the amount of whatever behind them you'd like to think they'll execute it well and i'd rather i think i'm at the stage where i'd rather wait for it and then get it right than them to butcher it and have released it three months ago which i think was the original plan but um I think it is I just that uncertainty is. that's pissing me off a bit. But Yeah, because the, the announcement, they did a newsletter, didn't they? Was it last week or the week before? I can't remember. And then, you know, every newsletter recently has essentially been we're working on things we were working on previously. We hope to get them right and hope to get them to you soon. More information to follow. That's basically the newsletters at the moment. It would be nice to have sort of, and maybe we, we were spoiled a little bit with all the La Liga stuff. Then the Bundesliga announcements, which they dropped in a really weird way, it felt like they were just saying, oh, by the way, we've got this new crappy team coming. You know, yeah. it's the whole of the bloody Bundesliga. They really sort yeah, of they yeah. could have done something like the legal one. But, you know, so I think we were spoilt with all of these big things that came over the last few months. And, you know, if they have one down month, I'm sure they're still working, you know, as hard, if not harder. But mm. in terms of releasing that stuff, then I think we need to cut them a little bit of slack. But... 
as you said, I, you know, I'd rather get it right and it takes a little bit longer than sort of hurrying something through, which, you know, just gets absolutely pummeled from day one. This is a fun question. And it's a kind statement to start from F.I. Gardner. If yourself and Joe met up for another of his masterful So Rare videos, I like that. Which three other So Rare managers would you like to meet in person and which game are you going to? Ooh, it's tough. Travelling pizza. Pardon? Travelling pizza. I did write a couple of names down, but they're a bit sort of like dorky. Like I'd love to meet PSU fans just because he's the guy that made me think differently and mm. helped me change the way I play so rare. Uh, Andrew Laird. I've been listening to Andrew Laird for, I don't know, seven, eight years. Really? Did you listen to him through the DFS stuff? Yes, so I used to listen to him and a guy called Jordan Cooper, Blenderhead. Um, or oh, sorry, Blender HD. Oh, I forget, but I used to listen to them uh, doing DraftKings breakdowns, and I listened to him for years. So it was really weird, sort of continuing to listen to him. So I'd love to meet him because I feel like I've listened to him every week, and that voice yeah. I recognise, and I sort of, you know, could do the bingo card for him easily. So you know the kind of things he's going to say. Um, the bingo card, by the way, was hilarious. A shout out. Um, that, that was incredible. I don't even yeah, know if well, I could yeah. find it here. But who was it? Matt Hay or something? Put it up. Ah, I should have found this. I could probably find it now. But um, there was a bingo card put up about their podcast, which was incredibly accurate and incredibly funny. And then I was like, can anyone make me one of these? And he did. And it was very funny too. Yeah, they're brilliant, those ones. Yeah, I saw them. They came out. Was it last night? The night before? I can't remember. But yeah, they were good. It was Matt Hay McSee, so like on theirs there was like Legends Awards, Joe Felix. Joe Felix comes up every week, yeah. Pavel, so rare data. Was Wesley uh, on yours? Wesley wasn't. Mine, uh, what Matty put together was, I'm just speculating, Parejo. Look, I'm not an expert. He <laughs> <laughs> had podcasts ago, we talked about this. Drinks beer. Uh, butchers a club player name. Um, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, and this is not financial advice, all of which are incredibly accurate as well. But uh, fair play. Anyway, I bought it in. Okay, Who's the who last? Uh, maybe Quinny, because Quinny is another person. voice. He just, his laugh cracks me up as well. I just feel like so he'd be funny. a good person to have a beer with. Uh, and then obviously, Travelling Pizza, just because, you know, I've spoken to him so many times on Zoom. We speak every day on, a, you know, on phones and stuff like that. You know, it'd be great to meet him in person. But yeah, yeah. No, I think that list would be similar enough to my own. I like that list. Um, so the next question is from Hoodwink. You're heavily invested in limiteds. Is that your priority over rares just now? If so, why he didn't enjoy limiteds himself? Uh, no, is the answer definitely not. I've bought a lot of like the the rookie. I think I mentioned earlier. I bought loads of like rookie cards and prospects. But they're literally the value on those is like zero point zero zero one or whatever the lowest you know denomination used to be for buying them. Um, they've already paid off. I bought like a uh, hundred of those, maybe 70, 80, something like that. And one of the ones I bought when they came out was the um, was it the locomotive Moscow keeper, the one that was a rookie card. And he actually started getting game time, and I sold him for like 0.03 or something, virtually paid for the whole rookie mm. collection. So a lot of those, you know, really have no value. And if they work out, they work out. And if they don't, they don't. It's such a low financial risk. Um, 
some of them are exactly the same as my sort of rare portfolio, although on sort of smaller scale, are to build teams for SO5, goalkeepers, because I think goalkeepers just are always going to be generally valuable, um, and backup keepers, which is everybody's favourite strategy for, you know, making a bit of coin. Absolutely. Um, okay, the next question is from Sean O'Neill. What are your under-the-radar picks for the new season in the MLS and Asia League? So do you have any under-the-radar picks? You know, you've obviously got quite a lot of, of those players, or what do you think? It's so tough now, because ones that I would have said under the radar probably a week or so ago now, their prices are not under-the-radar prices. Mm. Um, Aaron Long, I don't know whether people are aware of him, plays for Red Bulls, great defender, one of, probably their best player, actually, and he's been out for a lot of the season. He is back for the new season and he's absolutely brilliant. Um, I think he's probably worth a pickup. You can still get him relatively cheap. Actually, I probably shouldn't have said that because I haven't managed to get one myself yet. Um, I'll buy a super rare here. <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of a punting play, um, there's a guy that I watched a couple of times last season playing for Revs, the New England Revolution second team. Then he got promoted to the first team and has played a couple of games for them coming on as a sub. They've let a couple of guys, well, not let a couple of guys go. They've lost a couple of guys through transfers. And I noticed on their protected players list they released this week, he was one of the young players that they had on the protected list, a guy called Damien Rivera. Um, he's a really quick winger, really looks really talented player. He scored goals for Revs 2 this season. And it wouldn't surprise me if he could be one of the breakout guys of this year. I bought his super rare this week. Um, I think I've got a few of his limited and a couple of his rare. Don't message me to buy them because I'm not selling them. I'm happy to sit on that and if it goes up in flames. But you can still get him, I think, for like 0.015 for his rare card and literally nothing for limiteds. Um, so he, he would be one. Um, on the Asia side, it's a lot more difficult. Um, I would say follow and subscribe to So Rare Japan. Um he does a Patreon, comes out every week, absolutely blinding. He's always available to ask your questions. He was on the Hobies podcast last week. Really intelligent guy, and he's got his hooks in, you know, all of the, like he knows a lot of the players and the managers and stuff like that. So speak to him and listen to Hobies podcast last week because he mentioned loads on, loads on there, and I noticed their prices started to rocket when he mentioned them, but... I've bought loads of like, loads of guys, primarily off advice that he's given me. You've got me over here. What did I say not long ago about like getting away from speculative under twenty threes and buying quality SO five? Yet here I am looking at Damien Rivera. Oh, he's cheap as cheap as chips, though, mate. Yeah, that's you know that's absolutely nothing, and he could be. Who's the guy that uh, Tajan Buchanan? That's the guy I think he could end up replacing in the team. Uh, Tajan got up to what 0.5 this year before he's moved to um, Club Bruges. Uh, so you know, it's potential. And if it doesn't work out, you know, he's still going to get some game time. You can probably mm. sell him just at the same price. But. Well, I've just sent a speculative offer to Pavel. Let's see if he rejects it, which he inevitably will. And then we'll meet somewhere in the middle. Um, another question, and then we're not far from wrapping up, is from Jonathan Russell. I know SR Monkey is very knowledgeable. Uh, is a very knowledgeable so rare player. So here's a few questions I'd like to ask him. How many games do you watch a week? Uh, try and watch one from each league that's going on. 
Um, I end up watching way more Premier League just because mm. it's easy. I watch Bundesliga. But yeah, no, I, I just try and immerse myself in all of the leagues. I kind of just, if, if there's a player that I have who's playing on a game that's on BT Sport or Sky, I'll probably throw it on unless I have real life stuff happening. Do you know? If I'm sitting around the house, a couple of hours to kill, if it's of an evening, and Napoli's on, I'm watching it. If Lille's on, I'm watching it. If I can get a Feyenoord or Ajax game, I'd love to watch that. There, there's so many games of players. Like, did I say Leon already? I like watching Leon. Um, See, I'm probably just... the other way around. I sort of will watch games for players that I don't own, but maybe are thinking about buying rather than exactly. the games of yeah. players I already own, just because I already own them. So I have to say, like, if I ever do buy a player, it's normally off the back of someone I trust saying this guy's the next big thing, or it's off the back of SO5 stats and me find, looking at them on so rare data or whatever. It's very rarely because of an eye test, because I think most of the players that I watch I already know exist. So it would be very rare I'd look and be like, oh, yeah. And, I mean, look, if someone passes the eye test and I go and look and they've shot a 37, I'm like, okay, he passes the eye test, but he doesn't score well in SO5, so I don't really care. So I bought maybe... one player off you saying that on the podcast. What? I bought one player that you said, you know, you'd watched him and he passed the eye test. Well, maybe I was. Who was it? A St. Etienne midfielder. Um, oh, actually, I did. But, you see, Central I already. Uh, Yusuf. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've actually like, watched him since, and I think he's a good player. He's got potential. But he, he comes in through a few things, though, because he comes in through... Genesis was a big fan of him for a long time, who I really rate his sort of French football opinion. Oh, yeah, so that really made me... Yeah. And then I think I owned the Rare, and I watched... I said that again, because I had, like, him, Adela Sheesh, and maybe they were playing against the team or someone as well. And he, he looked really... He looked quality in the ball, yeah. and... um. That's, that's I think, what I, is. I, think, I, think I bought the super rare off the back of that for pretty cheap. Yeah, no, I bought the rare. It wasn't a big expenditure. It was like 0. 0.04 or something I paid. So Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought good it was bargain. a good player. But yeah, so I do exactly the same. You know, it's difficult sometimes, isn't it? You hear someone talking about it and you're like, oh, maybe I'll just buy it. Why not? The next question from Jonathan is, what's your process to find hidden gems? I suppose just watching games, is it? Yeah, watching games, but looking at data. Um, I know Quinny does this quite a lot. I'm not a, a member of his, but I know he goes through uh, Y Scout. I've been debating whether to get a Y Scout subscription myself, but you know it's not cheap. Mm. Uh, but yeah, looking at sort of you know XG data, looking for teams that or players that have shitloads of shots but haven't scored goals. Is it because they're crap, or is it because they've just been getting unlucky? Mm. You know, and trying to find players. I tend not to buy players that have got really high L5s because I just think mm. there's no way for them to go. Their price can only go down or, you know, they get a move to a better team and then they don't play as much. So I tend to look for players whose L5s are a little bit lower at the moment. Um, I look for, I like to buy a player that's got potential growth in terms of ETH as well as SO5. I know that's like everything, but you know, that's mm. what I go for. Um, there's one more question from Jonathan. And it is when you buy players, do you have an exit strategy for each of them? Like, because if you're buying players to trade specifically, do you have a way you record all that, or do you just kind of have it in your head? Because when you have a lot of players, I do do record it. Um, you know, if I buy a limited guy and I know he's just going into my pool of players that one day he may do all right, and I may be able to sell him. You know, then I just write that price down. So I do keep it's probably not as you know decent spreadsheet as other people keep you know i am a numbers guy but not really you know 
putting all the information down. I do keep a record of them to try and just get a rough tally where I am against all that sort of stuff. But um, in terms of having an exit strategy for every player, uh, yes. But then you, you know, your heart pulls on it, doesn't it? You, like you, you know, we spoke about earlier. You're Jonathan David. You know, it's going to be if you ever want to sell. You I mean you probably never want to sell him, will you? It's going to be tough. Yeah. So you it get tough players. Um, I had another question for you. It was around, um, do you have an extra strategy for your players? This is what it was. When I looked at your gallery, you actually have 109 goalkeepers and you have 109 forwards. Is that on purpose for training teams? Um, I do end up by, I buy goalkeepers, especially backup goalkeepers who I think have got potential. So I bought a couple of limited keepers recently. Some I know will get game time because you know, the number one keeper is going to, I don't know, African Cup of Nations or, mm. you know, he's going to be moving on or whatever. So I do buy a lot of goalkeepers. But, yeah, I am absolutely fastidious about sort of building training teams. This week oh, yeah. I had to do 107 training teams. Um, I do it every week. I try and maximise the XP I'm getting on players. Um, so Any yes, tricks around bring- training? Any tricks around training like to maximise that XP? Is there anything you can do? Um, not really. If you're looking to, like, common cards, I find it very useful for that at the moment, which is why I enter a common team every week because, you know, inevitably you're going to pick up a player that play, uh, that plays, especially if you're in the, you know, top 25% or whatever. Um, so putting those sort of guys with guys that haven't got a game that week to try and train those guys up, even on down weeks, is, like, my best US striker um, at the moment, you know, at the moment, I'm trying to train him or power train him to get him to 12, 12.5% for the start of the season. Mm. Um, so I'm putting in with players that I know are definitely playing each week to try and build up the XP on him. How does that work? So is it the XP around, if is it based off the highest score in the team or who, what your captain scores or what's it based off for the team? No, there's a formula. I think if you look on the SoRest site and dig into their help section, there is a section on XP and levels and stuff like that and there's a formula which is based on i can't remember the formula but it's basically the the amount the player scored then added to that the combined total for all of the players mm-hmm. in the team so if that player isn't got hasn't got a game this that week and you want to increase his xp put him with four other guys that are definitely playing and he'll still get better than the base xp if you train a guy the minimum xp he gets is 75 if you want to increase that, put in with guys that are playing that week. I like it. The last thing I'm going to leave you with is the 137 game. So last week, um, A dot J dot AJ picked Bruno Fernandez, who scored a 40, and Son John Ho, who scored a 75. So Bruno let him down there. Uh, he only scored. He got 115 points. Now, as I said, Andy Laird for the first time ever smacked it nail on the head. 137 points a few weeks ago. But he didn't want a table to taint his gallery. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing this could become a theme that everyone who ever wins it just doesn't take the prize, and it's like this forever running prize. But you have a shot if you can pick two players that in game week I think it's two two eight combined to score 137 points, you can win the the table. The table emphasize on the the. So well, two players in mind. You know that is a massive prize. I, I know. Um, it actually, it's actually kind of shocking. Speaking of big prizes, this is something I need to throw out there. I have an absolutely ginormous, monstrous giveaway 
coming imminently. I actually am going to record a video to announce it tonight, and then I'm going to get some artwork done. And there's going to be the five so five days of Christmas on Twitter exclusively. So if you don't follow me on Twitter, get your arse over there. When I say a big giveaway, what I'll say is there's a really fun, a really nice limited, a really nice limited. There's a rare forward that is like semi-premium, lacking a bit of form, but like a decent forward. There's a super rare forward who plays 90 minutes most weeks and does score goals, which is a huge not Wesley. giveaway. Not Wesley. <laughs> People, be, I'd pay you to take him. Um, and then there's the, there's a grand prize, which is 99.9% confirmed, but it's a company, uh, an NFT company, who wanted to come in on this giveaway with me. But like what they proposed to give away is like ludicrous, is the only way to describe it. And for that reason, I said, yeah, by all means, let's do it. Because I'm very slow to get affiliated with NFT projects because I feel like I don't want to lead anyone down the garden path. Um, but there's a giveaway here that everyone will be like, holy fuck. Do you know? Anyway. Go to it. So keep an eye out for that on Twitter. It'd be announced as early as tonight, maybe tomorrow. The SO5 days of Christmas and the giveaway is going to be absolutely obscene. So um, two players, 137 points, one shot. Are you going to take it? <laughs> Real inspirational. Well, I'm a Liverpool fan. Um, I've got one Liverpool player in my squad who's a common Saudi Mane. Um, I'm not going to play him. Okay. However, <laughs> however, I'm going to go for Liverpool, guys. I had a, they've got a slightly tougher game, although it should be an easy win, um, against Spurs this weekend. Um but I think that a defensive stack could be the way to go. So I'm going to go with an Allison Virgil van Dijk stack. So there's plenty of ways. Like if Allison gets a clean sheet, then Virgil can, you know, get a 60, whatever. Then they can sort of, you know, get, get there or they could concede, but Virgil could score and they could still get there. So there's plenty of ways for that to work. So... Yeah, go for that, and it'll give me a bit of interest in watching the game. Apart from obviously supporting Liverpool, I think it's um, I think it's a solid strategy. I ain't gonna call it now that I think you're gonna overscore. I think you're gonna shoot a one fifty. I think you are. I think uh, if that I mean, does happen, so. and both keep clean so. sheets, I think VVD gets a an eighty five. I think you'll come in at about the one forty five, one fifty mark. But look, who knows? Who knows? Mm. But anyway. David, it's been an absolute pleasure. Look, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything you want to part with? Is there anything you want to plug, anything you want to talk about? Anywhere people can find you? No, I mean, I'm so rare monkey. Yeah, at so rare monkey on Twitter, and I'm at SR monkey on um, so rare. So, yeah, give me a shout. If you've got any questions, happy to help. Good stuff. Don't be well, annoyed. Look- I don't get back to you straight away. <laughs> Good man. I'll chat to you soon. See ya. Bye. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed the penultimate podcast of 2021. It's been an amazing six months. Thank you all so, so much for your support. Every single review makes a big, big difference. 
um, every time you subscribe, every time you mention it on social media. So to wrap up 2021, we're going to do it in style with a drunk cast, which will go out as usual. Um, might go out a bit earlier. We'll have a look. I think Christmas is a Friday, so maybe we'll stick it out a bit earlier in the week. But it'll also be live on my YouTube. So go over and check out John Nellis on YouTube. There's the vlog that I mentioned in this podcast over there. And we'll also be doing a live so far so rare drunk cast over there with lots of different faces who've been on the podcast this year and have a few cans and have a bit of fun. So we'll chat to you then.